0: If you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn to the book of John, chapter 6? John, chapter 6. I feel, in a way, um, that today feels like an Easter Sunday or a Christmas Eve service. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a moment. Um, Because on those Sundays, my pastoral friends over the years have all shared the same stress. That on those days of the year, um, there's this extra stress to make sure that you're teaching something, speaking about something that is really impactful because those are like the two big days during the year that people attend a church service or or if you're part of the Christian church, you hear a lot of the same things during that time and how can you bring something new or something fresh? Um, and after being gone for the last 13 weeks, um, I have felt that impending pressure to say, what am I going to talk about and say the first week I'm back? And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really going to disappoint you in saying I have nothing profound. Um, But I do have something that I think God wants us to talk about this morning, so I'm hoping in the midst of me talking this week and next week, and even possibly the first week in October, um, there are just some things that are on my heart that I think would be helpful for us to hear during this season that we're in and the climate that we're in in the world right now, uh, until we then turn the corner and then in the fall begin doing another expository teaching as we go right through a book of the Bible, which I'm excited to talk about in the next few weeks. Um, So, This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 6, and we're going to read big portions of John chapter 6 in pieces. Um, But I want to start this morning by asking you a question, a question that I felt like God asked me while I was away and I was reading through this. And the question is simply this, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Um, I think it's a valid question because everyone that I've ever met answers this question or has at least asked this question. They are looking for something. Everyone shares this in common. What are you looking for? Some people would answer they're looking for peace in this world. Some people say they look for love in this world or adventure in this world. Security is another thing that I've heard people say. They want to be secure. They want to know that they're protected. Other people are looking for rest in this world. Fulfillment. And maybe one of the most popular one you hear people talk about right now is your purpose. Your purpose. What are you looking for in this world? You're looking for purpose. Now, though it's similar that everyone asks the question, where we differ is where we look for the answers. Whether you're looking in things of the world or you're looking to God, everyone's looking for these things. What differs is where you look for them. So I wanted to take a few moments this morning and just ask the question and answer it based on what Jesus says in John chapter 6. What does God say through the gospel of John, and how did Jesus respond to that? In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and here's what he says. He says to them, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the life, they are full of the spirit and life. Would you join me as we just pray this morning for a moment? God, we come before you this morning, and I just pray in your name that the scriptures that we look at today would not just be words, um, but they would actually touch our hearts, and they would speak to us uh, with truth that doesn't come from ourselves, but it only comes from you. God, may it teach us, may it draw us, may it transform us. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus is comparing or contrasting two different worlds in one sentence. He says the spirit, there's the spirit world, and then there's the flesh or the physical world. Sometimes we say the physical and the the spiritual, right? And he's telling his disciples this very powerful thing. He's saying, listen, in this world, you can look at things two different ways. There's the spirit world, which gives life. And then there's the fleshly world or the physical world. And it counts for nothing. And then he says, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and they are full of life. You see, he's putting his finger on something over 2,000 years ago that applies to us today. And that is that this condition has never changed in the history of mankind. Because as long as I can remember, in my own life, my eyes have been very aware of the flesh and the physical world around me. And I think you would agree with that for yourself. We are very well understood. We are very well adept to understanding the physical world around us. It's not a new condition for any one of us to think about the physical world. In chapter 6, in the beginning... There's a miracle that Jesus does. It's called the feeding of the 5,000. Many of us are familiar with that. But if you're not, Jesus is an incredible teacher. He's drawing people, miracles, all kinds of amazing things are happening during his ministry. He goes out on a boat and he's teaching people, which still boggles my mind, that he could be out on a boat teaching 5,000 people. And they're hungry. They're in the middle of nowhere close to getting any food. And his disciples come to him and they say, hey, hey. Um, you need to send these people home because they've got a trip to go to and everyone's hungry and there isn't enough food. And Jesus goes back and he looks at them and he says something which none of us would want to hear. He'd say, well, you feed them. Twelve guys. You feed 5,000 plus people. Now, I don't know how you'd feel about that, but I'd look at it and go, that's pretty crazy. How am I going to do that? And that's what they said. They said it would take, you know, like a year's worth of wages and we'd barely make a dent in this. So anyway, long story short, what happens? Jesus performs the miracle. But there are a miracle where he feeds over 5,000. They collect from from a couple of uh, loaves of bread and a few fish. And when they collect all the extra after everyone has their fill, there's 12 baskets full overflowing of extra bread because Jesus fed everyone and met the need, right? I mean, many of us are familiar with this story. That's what's happening in the first half of Uh, John chapter 6. So he performs the miracle, and then something happens. And I'm saying this because it's a setup to get to John 6.63. After Jesus performs the miracles, there are five interactions between him and his followers that reinforce this point in verse 63. Five times he's making the exact same point before he summarizes this, and I believe it's something that each one of us can identify with. So after the miracle is done, Jesus gets on a boat and he travels across the sea and he goes to another town. Later it says many of them look for him. They don't know what happened to him. When they realized he got in a boat and he left, they get in boats and they go to the other part and they go to look for him in Capernaum. Whereas when the first instance happens. So what I want to do is I want to show you the five instances. Each one of them having an element of the focus where they're looking at the flesh And when Jesus tells them to look at the spirit, each interaction between Jesus, where he says, you can continue looking for the flesh and the physical, or you can start looking at the at the spiritual. So beginning in verse 25, it says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And here's the focus on the physical that Jesus points out. He answers in verse 26, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Stop for a second. What is he pointing out? You can look at the world through the physical, or you can look at the world through the spiritual. And you're not looking for me, because what I'm trying to teach you about the spiritual, you're looking to me because you have a full belly. You're looking to me because something about me met a need or met something you wanted done in the physical realm. Now, he wasn't judging everyone's hearts because we don't know 5,000 hearts in that moment. But how many times could we identify with the idea that people are interested in what Jesus can do for them as opposed to how Jesus has died for them? You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. People are interested in what Jesus can do for them or what it means to have the power from God Versus what he's done for their lives. I'm thinking about the book of Acts, and you go to Acts chapter 8, where um, Philip goes, and there's a, uh, there's a man named Simon the sorcerer who is watching as Philip prays over this demon possessed person who was, who was perf- not demon possessed, well, she was. She was predicting the future, and she was healed. She was healed. And James and John go and they they pray over what's happening in this situation. And Simon the sorcerer sees the evidence of the power of God. And he immediately looks at James and John. You know what he says? I want to give you money so that I can have this gift. Why was he saying that? Because he saw something that would be a physical benefit. And he eliminated and ignored the spiritual. This is what's happening. And what Jesus is telling the people is there's a physical way you can look at things and there's a spiritual way. Very truly, he said, You're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And then he goes on, verse 27, and he says, Now let me show you how to look at it spiritually. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. You see, right away, Jesus points out their motive for pursuing him. Right away, and the motivation wasn't the spiritual significance of the miracle, but that he met their physical needs. Now, how many of us would agree, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of us would agree that Jesus is really good at meeting physical needs? He actually tells us in the gospel, don't worry about the practical things. I know you need them. His point in saying this is that if you really want to understand what I'm doing and why I'm here, don't look at the practical, get your eyes focused on the spiritual. Verse 28, second interaction. Then they asked him, "What must we do to what must we do to do the works God requires?" Interesting. "What must we do?" Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And then look what they say in verse 30. So they asked, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. What is he doing? What are they doing here again? They're taking... His teaching, and they're saying, okay, we understand that you're saying something about this food. Tell us what we physically need to do in our own strength. What do we need to do? And if you're thinking about how this works, this is where a lot of people get lost in Christianity. This is where a lot of people get lost in faith in Christ, is that we equate our works with being approved by God. If we work enough, if we do enough, if we just manage the right things properly, God will give us favor. So they're looking for a formula and they're they're explaining because, hey, this is what happened in the wilderness. What kind of miracle are you going to show us again to confirm that what we're doing is the right thing? Jesus, again, gives them the spiritual response in 32. And he says, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life. To the world. I love this verse. And I'll explain. You know when we talk. Actually we haven't done this in a long time in the church. But you know historically churches are kind of have a reputation to talk about finances and giving and tithing and all that kind of stuff. You know you can't go to a church without hearing about money right. I mean I've heard people say that. We haven't actually had a series on giving and tithing in a very long time. But um, interesting when we talk about that. Many times people begin by saying I don't think. I want to give God a percent of my income. I don't want to give God a percent of my wealth. I'm struggling with giving God something that belongs to me. But if you look at it from what Jesus is saying, and he's saying this to the story here is referencing the Exodus when the Israelites were in the wilderness And manna, every day, manna was a food that they ate. Every day was deposited on the ground for 40 years so that they could eat. Who was the one that provided it? Well, Moses, Jesus says, no, he didn't. Everything that you have comes from God. Everything that you have belongs to God. So I'm sharing that from the financial because for us to take that leap from from where we are to even financial stewardship, we have to remember sometimes that we don't own anything. Everything, James says, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from who? The heavenly father of lights. In the Old Testament, David makes a declaration. Everything I have belongs to you. Everything I have comes from you. So it's an idea of recognizing that the gifts that God gives us really are from God and they're not from ourselves. Practically speaking, think about this. When I hear people in the world today to say, well, you believe in miracles? Well, I believe in doctors. Who gave doctors the wisdom that they have today? Who gave doctors the wisdom? You believe in miracles? I believe in the power of medicine. Who gave people the wisdom and the understanding to put the medicines together to actually help us? I'm not against or opposed to physical supernatural healings. God still does that. Just talk to people that are walking in what God wants them to do in the U.S. and outside the U.S. But for us to divorce in our minds the things that are happening in the present from the spiritual is to fall into the same trap these people did. Nothing that we have belongs to us. Everything that we have comes from God. We need to be looking for the spirit, not for the things of the flesh. So he makes that declaration to challenge them. He said, I am the bread of life. That's what he tells them. And in verse 33, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Again, he's telling them, get your eyes off the physical and put your eyes back on the spiritual. You guys with me so far? Okay, I'm going to keep going. Verse thirty-five, verse 34 through 40. Look at their response in verse 34. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Ba-ding, ba-ding. <laughs> there was a show back in the 70s. Some of you know this. 70s and 80s. It was called Taxi. You know, I'm dating myself. You guys know what I'm talking about? And there was a guy on there. His name was Reverend Jim. And he would go, Dah! and he would do that. You know what I'm talking about? I really feel that if he was there in this moment, he would go, "Ah, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the spiritual. Oh, we want this physical bread. No, get your eyes off the physical. Put your eyes back on the spiritual. Jesus says again in verse 35, look what he says. You want this bread every day? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. You see that? You're still looking for what I can do physically. I didn't come to give you physical prosperity. God does give us prosperous moments and times in this world, but that was not Jesus' mission. His mission was to get our eyes off the physical and show us there's something for eternity I'm here for your spirit. I'm here for eternity. I'm here to show you the love of God, the Father God. I'm here to show you. Stop just looking at the practical and get your eyes on the spiritual. Verse 36, but as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. Look what he says in verse 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Another opportunity to remind them I'm getting your attention by meeting the practical but I'm not here to be your sugar daddy on earth I'm here because there's a greater calling there's a greater purpose there's something that we need to recognize and that we are not made for this world Do you guys believe that we are not made for this world I'm glad I'm not made for this world because this world's jacked up you know what I'm saying I'm glad you're made for this world. My body comes from the dirt of the ground, but I am not made for this world. How would you respond after Jesus would say to you, I'm the bread of life. Eat of me. I'm the bread of life. Come to me. I'm here to do the will of the Father. If you believe in me, you're going to receive this eternal life and this eternal gift. Well, look what they did. Verse 41, here's their physical fleshly response. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How could he not say, I came down from heaven? Don't you love these guys? Don't you love this? I love reading this because we can look at this many times and we could say, like, these people are obtuse. Like, how could they be saying that? And then I realized, like, that would be me. I would be in the exact same place. And Jesus, in his love and in his patience, teaches them and shows them, get your eyes on the spiritual, and their immediate response is, wait a minute, we know this guy. You came down from heaven. We know where you were from. I love how they specifically say, is this not the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can we say he came down from heaven? You're not some spiritual, super amazing person. We know your family. We know what you did when you were a little kid. We saw what you did. We saw the mud pies you made. We saw, I'm paraphrasing, this isn't in the Bible, by the way. Uh, We saw you growing up. And you know what? There is a a phrase that many people have heard. Familiarity breeds what? Contempt. Many years ago, I spoke a message saying, are we living in Nazareth? Because there's a part of the Gospels, one scripture in the Gospels that say, it was only in Jesus' hometown that he could do very little miracles. Why? Because in his hometown, that's where they thought they knew him the best he had to leave his hometown where everyone thought they knew exactly was what he was so that they would be open to receive from the one who he from who he really was if that makes sense so this is their response we know who you are this guy isn't who he says he is jesus again gives a spiritual response in verse 43 and he says this stop grumbling among yourselves jesus answered no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. Verse 47 he says very truly I tell you the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness yet they died. What is he saying there? Remember there's a physical need but eventually it goes away. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. Verse 51 I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. It's pretty powerful if you think about what he's saying there. You need to eat my body. You need to drink my blood. We'll see this in a little bit. Really great teaching message. Remember, 5,000 people were just fed shortly before this. And he's telling them again, you need to get your eyes off of the physical. You need to stop looking at the flesh and the physical and you need to start looking at the spiritual. That's why I am here. What did they say in verse 57? Here's the next response and the next interaction. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's verse 52. How can this man give us this flesh to eat? What do we say about that? They can't get their eyes off of the physical, Right? I mean, have you, have you ever had this problem personally in your own life? Have you ever struggled with this in your own life? I know that I have at different times where I'm always thinking about the physical, and God continues to tell us to move towards the spiritual. Look what he says in verse 53. He says, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Perc- Perc- Capernaum. And then one of the saddest verses that I see in the scripture after having these interactions, five different interactions in verse 60, verse 60 said, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching who can accept this. This is a hard teaching Who can accept this? And if we read on, and we're not going to read on a little bit more beyond this, many of them walk away and no longer follow Jesus. He fed 5,000 miraculously. They go across the sea to find him. They ask him. They have five different dialogues and questions. He gives them a spiritual response to their physical question and mindset. And then they walk away. Jesus then looks at verse 61. It says, Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Again, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit, and they are full of life. So, I'm sharing this with you this morning because I think there's a condition that all humans today still struggle with, that also is the condition that these disciples struggled with as well. And that is how easy it is for us to keep our eyes and our mind and focusing on our eyes is another way of saying the things we just look at with our mind, the thing that we prioritize in our lives, that things are so focused on the physical that we forget the spiritual point. And if we're not careful, and this is where I think as Christians is super important, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, is that is our mission is at risk as the church of Jesus Christ. If our focus becomes so heavily directed at the physical, and we're only thinking about Christianity or what God can do or what Jesus can do because of the physical, because of the physical... We're going to lose the whole point and our mission is going to be compromised on this world. Will God still fulfill his mission? He's God. He's going to do whatever he's going to do. But we lose an opportunity as Christ followers if we get our eyes off the spiritual and we keep them on the physical. Let me give you a few examples in the criteria that we live in right now. And I I don't even want to bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up because everyone keeps talking about it in different components. Jesus says here, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. So let's focus on if Jesus were here today, would Jesus get a vaccine or would he not get a vaccine? Why do we even ask that question? You know, people ask this question would Jesus get the vaccine? I think Jesus would look at us and go, huh? He would do that. Ah, you're missing it again. You're missing it again. If you get it or you If you get it, you don't... If, you're, if you get it, if, if you don't get it, you... Jesus is like, come on. Come on. You're missing the point. Get your eyes off the physical and get your eyes on the spiritual. God, if you would just do another miracle... If you and listen, take a step back here cuz I don't like being misunderstood in this. God is a God today who does supernatural miracles. Do we understand that? You pray for people, they can be healed. You pray blessings over people, you ask God to reveal himself, he reveals himself to people. He is a God of power, a God of miracles. He is not a God who's just, well, I did that a thousand years ago and I'm not going to. No, he is a God that does all of that. But if our hope and if our plan and everything about what we think God's going to do is rooted and solely based on the fact that if God would just do this miracle, all of this would change. You know what that sounds like when I was a kid? It sounds like if a celebrity comes to Christ, everybody's going to get changed. Hey, we tried that with Kanye West two years ago. Didn't work. (laughs) There is an unhealthy focus. Listen, please hear my heart on this. We need to believe and pursue and ask God for everything he wants to do in us and through us for this world. You hear me? But if you think the solution to all of this is we just need to see more miracles for everybody that we pray for, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. 5,000 people were, he, were, were filled. Blind people were given their sight dead people were raised from the dead and they murdered the son of god now that shouldn't wash our hands of saying well let's not pursue miracles anymore again you're missing the point the point is the only and jesus says the only thing that draws someone to the father or to me i'm sorry is who the father It's our responsibility to be the hands and feet of Christ. It's our responsibility to pray for those that need to be prayed for. It's our responsibility to love people the way God wants us to love them. It's our responsibility to be the church that loves Jesus more than we love the world around us. And I don't mean the people. I mean the stuff in the world around us. What we need to be looking for is what God is trying to show us. Not in the physical, but in the spiritual. When our eyes get off the physical, we begin to see God in the spiritual. I'm not checking my texts. So sometimes when you write notes on your phone, these are like some of the like, most candid things that you can do. So if you ever find my phone, it's a password. Don't even try to break it. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, I wrote this down when I was on a trip a couple of weeks back, and I sent this to one of my friends. And I'm being really candid and honest with you because I think it's an example that fits very clearly to this. This is what I wrote to him. I said, Man, people can be disgusting. <laughs> okay, don't judge me. <laughs> this is what I said. This trip has reminded me of a few things. One of them is that people are extremely self focused and inconsiderate of others. For goodness sake, flush a toilet. <laughs> I go through the public restrooms and I flush every toilet. True story. I'm like, you don't need to be cleaning up that mess. Flush the toilet. Talk quietly at 5 a.m. Don't park your car in the middle of a one-way street in a national park so everyone gets blocked in while you go for a hike to take the perfect selfie. True story. Wait your turn. You ever been in an airport? We're going to start boarding in three minutes. 150 people squish at the gate. I'm like, "You're, you're number nine. You're level nine or whatever, the group nine. I'm level five. Get back there. Why are you even up? The only, I'm not going to promote what company I was on. There's only one airline I've ever been on where the person gets on and says, if your number is not being called, sit down. Don't get up. We will make you sit down. And I went, that person's awesome. <laughs> Everybody else, you're group nine and you're like number four in line. I'm like, there's a hundred people that have to get in front of you. Wait your turn. If the quiet, if the sign says quiet area, then be quiet. Clean up your trash after using the picnic bench. That's what I wrote. Isn't that fun? You know what all those things have in common? I was looking at the flesh. I was looking at the physical. And then I wrote this in my next response. And yet Jesus died for them all. This is the kind of love I can't understand. So I want to ask you this morning, because we're going to close in just a few minutes. What are you looking for? What do you fix your eyes on this morning? When you look at the world around you, do you see people that are inconsiderate, that are judgmental, that are haters of God, that are condemning of situations that are hurting you and hurting people around you? Do you see your physical situations And and think, it's discouraging that I'm walking through this. Or why do bad things happen to good people? And listen, there's nothing wrong with asking some of those questions. Remember I said many years, many years, it feels like years, many months ago, um, it's okay to ask questions to God. It's not okay to question God. You can ask God questions, but don't question God. What are you looking for? What is the church of Jesus Christ looking for this year? Where are our eyes focused? Because there's a lot of focus right now, and I don't just mean in the moment, I mean for the last period of many, many, many months. Physical, 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 physical. I've heard people say it emphatically in social media, on news and broadcasts, people are dying, people are dying, people are dying. We need to do something about this. And you know what? They're right. But can I tell you something? If we take a step back, the number of people that have physically died over the last 15 to 18 months through all the stuff we've been dealing with are a drop in the bucket from the tens and hundreds of millions of people that are dying for an eternity without Christ. They are leaving this world for eternity not knowing the risen Savior. Do you hear me this morning? You hear what I'm saying? If it bothers me more that my body, my, I might be separated from my body. I'm not even, this isn't even me. I'm just, this is just a rental. This is true. That's the way scriptures teach it. Aren't you glad it's a rental? <laughs> this is a rental. God takes who you are and he puts you in a body. He puts you in a body. That's why people said, well, we're all the babies in heaven. There are no babies in heaven. The baby body didn't make it to an adult, but the person is with the Lord. The body's just a shell. You know, I mean, you say that all the time when we think of the miscarriages. You know, I think that my my wife and I had over the years when we were pregnant, like we have three kids, but we actually have five. And we'll see them one day. We've got to get our eyes off the physical church. Every person's in a different place and maybe your focus is dead on. And can I tell you, just keep walking and looking and being who God has called you to be. But can I tell you, if your focus is so much on what's happening in the present, in the carnal, in the physical, and it's impeding your ability to see things in the physical, in the spiritual, Jesus is calling you to step away from that and to get your eyes on the things that matter for eternity. The vision and the mission of the church has never, ever changed. The circumstances want to distract us, and divide us and get us upset with people and angry like like there are people and I willfully accept this there are people over the last number of many months where I look and I go I get so upset with the way people are talking or they know better and God I just want to punch them in the nose not physically I get so upset and I feel like God says why don't you stop thinking about what you want to do to them and start praying for them I go wow because it's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual. And what Jesus is saying is what you think you can accomplish in the flesh means nothing. But what you can do in the spirit, that lasts forever. So this morning, what are you looking for? Are you looking for community? You can find it in temporary things together. Are you looking for genuine relationship? Are you looking for your purpose? Are you looking for genuine love? Are you looking for anything? Where is your source? Are you looking for God or are you looking at the world? Because if you only look at the world, it only lasts for a moment. And God has given us an opportunity to bring a message of hope, love, and truth to people far beyond this side of eternity. Amen? Would you take a moment? Just bow your heads. You don't have to stand with me this morning. The worship team's going to sing this song. We're going to wrap up. But I would just like to ask you, if you want to sing, you're welcome to. If you just want to use this time, we leave the altars open here at Bridge. And you're always welcome to come and join us. Um, you know, we can pray for you. We can have some people pray for you. But, but this is just a time where I want people to just be mindful of the fact that, listen, the world around us is trying to tell us that the physical is what really matters right now. And Jesus is going to lovingly remind us each and every step of the way that what really matters is the Spirit. What really matters is eternity. What really matters is what God wants to do in us and through us to be a light to the world around us. And that can be hard for us to deal with and to face in the midst of physical fear, in the midst of a relentless message that continues to push Threats and fear into our lives this isn't about what you do in the physical it's about keeping our eyes fixed on the giver of life Jesus Christ the one who gives life so Father I come before you this morning and I ask each one of us as we take a few moments bow our heads that we would be reminded of your goodness we would be reminded of your power we would be reminded that any circumstance we go through this morning, this week, next week, or anything we've experienced in the past, it's all submitted to you. And though the physical things may cause questions in our minds, we can be confident and know that you're good. We can be confident and know that you're with us. We can be confident in knowing that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, and you will still, in the midst of adversity, give us the strength as the church of Jesus Christ to be your hands and feet and to love passionately, to share your love with others, and to be the light that you've called us to light to, to, to be, Lord. Father, we come before you this morning. May our hearts be open to receive new just a new portion of your love and your presence. May your Holy Spirit speak to each one of our hearts, and may we walk away this morning with our eyes focused away from the things that are temporary and move to the things that are eternal, so that our days on this earth will be about building the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.